Hello, everyone. We have a special announcement today. Rachel Lindley has written a full novel-length adaptation of the adventure A Bully Good Time. This is great news. Now you can find a comfy spot and experience this bayou-delving adventure as written word. Here is the back of the book, and then a brief excerpt. I'll read you chapter one. The back of the book. Frogs, boats, and beignets. The fire-breathing kittens venture to the south of the fantasy world of Guasso to investigate a missing persons case. There's Pidge, a plucky gnome with shape-shifting magic. Mocha, an angel's daughter with miraculous healing powers. And Manford, a nihilist and would-be scoundrel with a heart of gold. Within a world of vine-choked cypress and murky water, the three discover unlikely allies, strange philosophies, and danger. They must triumph against the swamp before they disappear themselves. In her debut novel, Rachel Lindley offers a tale of exploration, mystery, and friendship, where the next good thing might be waiting a few steps beyond the river's edge. Here's a brief excerpt. I'm going to read you chapter one, The River Boat. It was a lively scene on board the Delta Queen. The relative quiet of the Bayou River was interrupted by the sounds of laughter and music as the riverboat chugged through. Powerful paddles churned the water, providing a steady backdrop to the noises of celebration that filtered through the reeds. The people on board paid no heed to their surroundings. They were bound for the city of Gardilou, but in the meantime, they were determined to enjoy themselves as much as possible. Manford leaned against the railing, surveying the crowd with a gleam in his eye. His pose was casual, one arm draped across the top of the rail, his long legs crossed in front of him. It was as he intended. He blended into the background, in spite of his unusual appearance. It wasn't just his ginger hair. His clothes hung loosely from a remarkably slender frame. Well-kept stubble lined an angular jaw, which ended at the base of ears too pointed to be fully human, yet too broad to be fully elven. Even his eyes, shaped like a human's but colored a startling green, hinted at his mixed ancestry. The half-elf had ventured to the top deck of the riverboat on purpose. He had noted the patches and threadbare ends on the women's dresses, the way the men's shoes flapped against the soles as they danced, the red nose and consistent hiccups of one of the violinists in the band. He flipped a gold coin and caught it with an evil grin. Though they danced merrily, these people clearly wanted for something. The band struck up another tune, and suddenly Manfred was no longer by the railing. Instead, a crown of red hair could be seen bobbing this way and that through the crowd, never still for more than a moment. A more discerning eye might have also noticed the work of two pale hands, which darted in and out of pockets and which... Excuse me? As it happened, there was a more discerning eye. A woman clutched at her purse, and Manfred faltered. It would be difficult to deny what he was doing, given that the woman had essentially pried her purse directly from his hands. She gazed at him distrustfully, and her lips twitched, as if about to shout for help. Think, Manfred. Official guards might be few and far between on the top deck of the Delta Queen, but there were plenty of rough-looking fellows that might prove quite eager to jump to the lady's defense, official or not. Just as she seemed about to say something, an idea entered his head. He gave a broad smile and a bow and let a gold coin slip between his thumb and forefinger. I believe you dropped this, ma'am. 
again an expression of suspicion. This time, however, the lady checked furtively around as if she were the guilty one. I suppose I might have. The half-elf's green eyes sparkled as she took the coin. This was more fun than simply placing the coins and leaving. Far more fun. For this had been Manford's evil plan all along. Redistribution. He had gold, they had none. He re-entered the crowd and more than once chuckled wickedly as victim after unsuspecting victim fell prey to the same ruse that had tricked the woman. What simple folk these were. What a shame they would no longer be poor. A fellow rogue might have shaken their head in dismay as Manford delivered gold to no fewer than twenty people. However, as Manford departed, headed for the middle deck, his intentions were more properly roguish. The middle deck was a similar scene of lively music and dancing, but in addition to this was gambling and a central table heaped with food. Here there were attentive waiters and surly straight-backed guards. The clientele of the middle deck was of better breeding than the top deck, better wealth, certainly better clothes. They casually toyed with jewelry so that it would wink in the shimp's lanterns, preened, and spoke to one another in affected tones. Amidst the finery, there were certain people who appeared out of place. One was a woman who engaged in earnest conversation with a waiter. Though her dress was perfectly appropriate, it revealed muscular arms as if she was no stranger to hard labor or even battle. And no true human had eyes that shade of gold. So these crabs are from the city itself? The angeling was asking the waiter. The waiter was accustomed to serving a variety of passengers on the riverboat. He was polite enough not to gawk at the angeling, even though he had never before encountered someone with an angel in their bloodline. Beyond her eyes and the silver hair that fell to her waist, she seemed to be just another hungry passenger. The crabs are from Gardilou, she clarified. When the waiter nodded, she considered them thoughtfully. Hmm, I suppose that means they're fresh. There's no pollution in those waters. None whatsoever, ma'am. The waters outside Gardilou are truly wild. It was only after that assurance that Mocha lifted a crab onto her plate and took a cautious bite. She was a cleric. She used her divine magic to heal, and she knew from experience how many things in the world could damage a person. There was no need to let food become one of those things. Perched at the other end of the table, Pidge was beaming over her own small fiefdom of miniature tarts and pastries. As a gnome, she was drawing her own share of attention, at the very least due to the fact that she had needed a stool to access the banquet table. Many a fine gentleman and lady had scoffed at the sight of the little figure dragging the stool along the line of desserts, clambering up, selecting a few, and then clambering down. She now sat with her legs sticking straight out and bit into a piece of cake with gusto. On an adjacent stool perched a black conical hat, nearly as tall as its owner. Pidge carefully kept crumbs away from it. She was a wizard, after all, and it would not do to get frosting on the tools of her trade. Pidge was on her fourth tart when she saw Manford slip down the stairs. She gave him a nod, but the rogue ignored her. At least no one's chasing him, she thought ruefully. She didn't know Manford very well, but she knew his type. Usually, they had darker hair. Usually, guards had a tendency to just sort of materialize around them. 
No one thought to question the presence of the three adventurers or to ask why they might have such an interest in Gardilu. They did not comment on the rapier that hung at Manford's belt, nor did they ask Pidge who would have shown them the letter folded up inside her jacket pocket. A summons, a call to action for the members of the Fire-Breathing Kittens Guild. Manford, Mocha, and Pidge had responded. Then again, no one on the middle deck seemed to notice much of anything. Pidge enjoyed her desserts and watched Manford pick coin after coin out of purses. Real artful he was. He made it look like picking berries off a bush. Do you want to play roulette? Mocha appeared next to Pidge, dabbing at her lips with a napkin. There's gambling on board, said the angeling, pointing. I want to play roulette. Roulette? said Pidge, confused. Alas, said Manford, approaching from Pidge's other side, there is no roulette on here by the look of things. Oh, Mocha turned slightly red. Don't worry about it, Mocha. It doesn't mean we can't play something else. As a matter of fact, Pidge shifted her gaze to the side of the deck. Numerous gamblers were leaning over a pit of sorts, shouting encouragement. What's over there? asked Mocha. Salamander racing. That's what everyone's been saying, at least. Pidge crammed the last dessert in her mouth and jumped off the stool. Unfortunately, it seems like very few of these lovely people have magic. Manford gave her a shrewd glance. What are you thinking? Don't worry about it. Just get me one of those salamanders. One with poor odds, she added, as the rogue turned away. What are you going to do? Mocha asked. Pidge was rubbing her hands together. Just you wait and see. I've got some spells up my sleeve. You see, if I can combine this hasting spell with this... With this... Uh... With this what? The gnome's hands were slowing down until they simply rested in front of her face. I got one. Manfred turned so that his back shielded him from the guards. He opened his hands to reveal a squirming brown salamander. Okay, Pidge. Time for you to work your magic. Right. About that. Did you not prepare the spell for today? Guessed Mocha, and Pidge gave her a weak grin. I thought wizards knew what spells they could cast, said Manfred impatiently. You just, you know, wave your hands, say the magic words. Well, that's the thing, said Pidge. The words tend to change from day to day. Really? Manfred gazed in disbelief at the gnome. Look, I did my part. I made sure to pick out the skinniest, laziest-looking salamander of the bunch. Look at him. He's pathetic. And you're telling me that now he's not even going to have the chance to win? Because you couldn't be bothered? But as Manford brandished the salamander at his companions, the creature blinked nervously and began to pee directly into the rogue's cupped hands. Mocha leaned forwards. Is he... Manfred was struggling to keep a hold of the salamander, Liquid dribbled through his fingers and onto the deck. Pidge, this is your fault. Oh no, Manfred, what did you do to him? What did I do to him? Pidge stood on tiptoes and pointed at the other man's hands. You made him lose his tail. You scared him. I'm going to put him back now, said Manfred grumpily. Pidge's eyes grew big. Aw, oh, we can't just put him back like this, without a tail. I think they grow their tails back, said Mocha helpfully. Here, here, I've got a mending spell. Pidge rolled up her sleeves. 
Oh, so you do have spells now. Oh, that's great. Mocha frowned. I'm not sure mending will work for healing Pidge. You'd do better with a healing potion. Healing potion it is, announced the gnome somewhat manically. She dug into her pockets and poured just a drop into Manfred's palm. We are going to fix this lizard. The Delta Queen continued on its way, forging through the vast and creeping wilderness around it. The letter still rested in Pidge's pocket. She ignored it for the moment. Surely they had time to enjoy themselves before facing its contents, facing the truth that, somewhere, there were unknown evils lurking about, either on the banks of the river or within the city of Gardilu itself. Nonetheless, during their hours on the ship, the adventurers did manage to correct one tiny evil within the world. The drop of healing potion wove its healing powers into the salamander's tail, and the little animal was returned to its box in one slimy piece. Thus ends Chapter 1 of A Bully Good Time, a full-length novel, adapted from the adventure of Bully Good Time by the Fire-Breathing Kittens by the author, Rachel Lindley. I think she did a fantastic job, and we would all really appreciate it if you would support us and pick up your copy of A Bully Good Time from Amazon.com and tell your friends about us. Thank you.